you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18, Wednesday night, or Sunday night rather, we left off with a very encouraging passage of Scripture where there were five individuals, two unnamed women, and three named men who played a vital role in the in helping uh, David escape from Absalom and to have um, peace and safety to get away. And I think it's a very interesting thing. I told you the two women, I believe, played a role because they saw what Absalom had done to the ten concubines and raping them. And the three individual men, they had already showed themselves faithful in other accounts. But these are the unsung heroes, so to speak, uh, to me uh, in that last passage. But now we're in 2 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to look at the death of Absalom tonight. The death of Absalom is what we're going to look at tonight and all the situation that is surrounding this. You know, I think if you had a chance um, to get uh, several, uh, two or three weeks ago, I handed out uh, this map. And, uh, and if you still have that map, um, we have seen where um, they are at the forest of Ephraim. They have run all the way up from Jerusalem, and uh, Absalom has tracked his dad uh, all the way up there. Tonight, we're going to be looking at a, 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 a map also that has a little map of the forest of Ephraim and uh, some pictures on here. Also, by the way, this is our new color copier, so uh, you get a chance to enjoy some, some of these things. And, and it's important, these pictures in the forest of Ephraim, because you're going to look at this forest, and those who have been to Israel, you're going, I went to the forest of Ephraim. And I don't understand what's being talked about tonight and what's being in this picture or what I saw was two totally different things. And so I want you to understand what's going on. So those, those pictures right there. So we get to verse 1. It says, Then David took account of all the people who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. Now David knew the inevitable was going to happen. Absalom was, going to not, was not going to stop pursuing him, and it was time to fight. I mean, he had ran all he could ran, run, and he had given Absalom plenty of opportunities to back away. Now, David is an awesome captain. He is, an awesome, he is a man that has administration written all over him, and he could lead people better than I, I can imagine. And so he not only had the warrior spirit, he had a fighting spirit, he was a great fighter, but he was a great leader in, in the fact of how he administered and, and, uh, to people. And the Bible says that he took, took count. Now, if you, know your, if you know the story of David, we're going to see David's going to get in trouble for this a little bit later on. But he's taking account because he's simply saying, okay, how many people do we have? You know why I think he took count? Because, number one, I don't know if he knew how many people he had at this time. I think he knew how many people he had at the beginning, but I think people were leaving Jerusalem and I think they were trying to join up with David after they saw Absalom and all the nonsense that he was causing. And so he started to appoint commanders. He's organizing, he's delegating very well. And look what it says, he's commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and so he has his commanders of thousands that he knew that can control, and then, then those commanders had commanders. 
And, you know, it's just like ranks in the army. And so he had those that were in control of hundreds and those that were in control of thousands. Now, here's the question is how many people are with David? I told you, I said, I thought at least 6,000 people. We just do not know how many people are with David. And I don't know, but we're going to see how many people's lives that they took in this battle. And so then we get to verse 2, the first part, by the way, and David sent, uh, and David sent, the people out, a third under the command of Joab, a third under command of Abishai, Joab's brother, and a third of under Ittai. And the king said to the people, I myself will certainly go out. Okay, let's stop right there. It says this, Absalom, uh, Joab is the first one of his commanders. Remember, Joab has been with David for a very, very long time. There was no question that David trusted Joab when it came to being a, a good captain, controlling the armies, that type of thing. In this storyline, however, some major events are going to take place that is going to probably sever David's and Joab's relationship, ultimately. That was the first commander. Abishai is another one. Now, Abishai, if you remember, this is Joab's brother. This is Joab's brother, and this man is very devoted to David also. And um, if you remember what Abishai did, this will be my third relation to the story. Abishai, remember when King Saul was camped, and they were up on the hill looking, and there were 3,000 people around King Saul? And he says, who is it that will go with me? And Abishai said, I will. This man's crazy, or he's very devoted. Remember, Abishai was the only person to raise his hand. If you remember, they snuck in between 3,000 people, and I told you the men were Cthulhu. They were so asleep, nobody woke up. They took the spear, right, the jug of water, and that's Abishai. You're like, I can trust that man. But then there's a third man, Ittai. Now, Ittai, out of all these, all probably impresses me the most. We don't know a lot about this man, but I'll tell you, it actually goes back to 2 Samuel chapter 15. Do you remember when, when Absalom started his rebellion and Ittai shows up? Now, it says Ittai from what? Gittai or Gath. What do we know about Gath? Is Gath located in Israel? Nope. Where's Gath located? With the Philistines. It's one of the five major cities of the Philistines. Ittai is one of the Philistines. What is the song of David? Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They're not talking about Israelites. They're talking about Philistines. Ittai said, hey, I'll join up with you. I mean, Ittai should be an enemy of David, right? What converted this man's heart to follow after David? And not only Ittai's heart, but Ittai's men's hearts, their wives' hearts, and their children's hearts. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 15, I have no idea. And David said, Ittai, get out of here. He didn't say it mean. He said, get out of here. Why? Because Absalom is probably going to kill us. You don't need this nonsense. You don't need this in your life. You got your children. You got your women. You got your men. Don't do this. And this is, is it, this is Ittai's response, ready? As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king shall be, whether for death, for life, there also will your 
servant be? That was Ittai, the Philistine's response. So when David picks out his commanders of his thousands, he did a pretty good job. He knew who he was picking out. And by the way, I think David helped with the commanders of the hundreds, and I think he let these captains also choose these people. I wanted you to see that because we can skip over a lot in the scriptures that we, we don't understand what's going on. The second part of this verse, and the king said to the people, I myself will certainly go out with you also. Ooh. I will go with you also. Who's saying this? David, I'm going into battle with you. I'm going into battle with you. I believe on your notes, I put 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Do you remember this statement? Then it happened in the spring at the time when the kings go off the battle. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. They brought destruction of the sons of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. And but David stayed in Jerusalem. You remember that? And he looked over and saw this beautiful woman named who? Bathsheba washing herself. This was the start of some of David's major downfalls and consequences. He did not go to battle when the kings were supposed to go to battle in the spring. Do you see what he's doing? I'm going. You know, we learn from our mistakes, don't we? We learn from where we messed up and we vow to say, I won't do that again. You know what I think he's doing? I'm going to war. I'm going to where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to fight. Now remember, 61 years old, possibly 62 years old at this point, I'm going to fight. If there was any ever a time where David shouldn't gone off to fight, this would have been it. But I wanted you to understand the backstory of why he said, and I'm going with you. Go to verse three, please. But the people said, you should not go out for in the fact that we flee, for they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us. So now it is better that you will be ready to help us from the city. And this is what he's saying. Don't go, David. All in unison. Don't go. Please don't go. Stay right here, David. And this is the reason. Because to be honest, Absalom and all these thousands of people that he has with him, they do not care about us. Who do they care about? Seeing you kill, David. That's who they care about. And let me tell you, if we have to get up and run and they catch you, they're going to kill you. They're going to torture you. They're going to whatever. They're going to kill you. Don't go. Don't put yourself in this position. However, David, this is what we need. We need your wisdom. And we need your mind. We don't need the 62-year-old fighting ability of what he used to be able to do, right? We need your mind. We need your wisdom. And we need you to give us direction from the city in which we are at. And we'll send runners and you'll be able to direct the battle how you see fit. We need you overseeing everything that's going on. I think this is an interesting statement. Now, it's not that they don't want him there with them, but they rather have his wisdom and his leadership. Verse four, the king said, whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate and all the people went out by the hundreds and thousands. This is a humbling moment. Put yourself here, by the way. He, he didn't put up much of a fight. Th these people must have been super convincing, right? 
I mean, in unison, they, no, 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 no. I mean, thousands of people. No. And David was like, oh, okay. Well, if that's what you want. And then he probably thought about it and says, that's really what needs to be, but I know I learned from my past mistakes. But he says this, he stood beside the gate. And what was he doing? Giving the blessings as they walked out of that gate. You know what? This has to be a humbling thing for David. Can you imagine people giving up their homes, their businesses, their food, their comfort, just to follow you into a wilderness? And now they're going to be willing to give up their life for you? What do you think it was like as David stood by that corner of that gate and as all these people walked by him? What do you think it was like when these wives and these children were calling out, crying as they saw their husband walk out? And these babies crying out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And David is the one they're doing this for. I think that had to be a pretty humbling experience. Hundreds of thousands of people walked past David. I believe it was hard. Verse five, but the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, deal gently with the young Absalom for my sake. And the, all the people heard when the king commanded and all the commanders regarding Absalom. Now here it is. He stopped these three commanders. Now, here's the thing. I don't understand this passage. All right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. But as they're walking out, he said, I have an announcement to make. When you catch up with Absalom, and there was no question in his mind and his heart that they would, he said, deal gently with him. Hmm. What was one of the weaknesses? Women were one of the weaknesses of David, but his second weakness was his children and his lack of discipline. Even in the midst of Absalom's rebellion, Amnon's rebellion with Tamar, David does not punish his children. What, do you, what would you think if you had given up your comfort, your food, your housing, and the commander-in-chief said, the man that's been running us all over this wilderness, be gentle. What do you think some of their thoughts were? <laughs> uh -uh. In their heart. I'm just trying to think logically. I'm trying to think as a person would think. No. I am mad at this man. He's ran me away from my home. But here's the thing. The Bible says that everybody heard this announcement. Now, here's the part I don't understand. I don't understand that portion of scripture right there. How did everybody hear David make this announcement? Thousands of people. I don't know. The only thing I've come to this conclusion, there's no commentary. I think about all the other stuff that nobody talks about. I think that it went all through the crowd. 
that news probably did travel fast. Now, Joab is thinking, once again, you don't deal with your kids the way you're supposed to deal with your kids, David. Joab's thinking this, I promise you that. And so all the people heard it. Everybody knew it. Now, this is important that the Bible put this in there. There was no mistaking. The rule was nobody kills Absalom. Not only do you not kill him, you do not torture Absalom. Is that clear? So what do you do with him? You bring him back to the king. What do you do? What is the king going to do with him? I have no idea. I wondered that and wondered that and wondered that. What is the king going to do with him? Probably not enough, just to be honest with you. Let's go to verse 6. Then the people went out in the field against Israel, and the battle took place at the forest of Ephraim. And so they go out, and they're, they're, they all are outnumbered. Uh, they are outnumbered by Absalom's army. There's no question about this. And they come to this very dense forest. And you, and you look at this paper, and you go, Chris, that's not dense at all. Looks pretty wide open. As I did my research on this, it was very interesting. As I looked at this, I put up here in the box, between 1300 and 1500 A.D., all of the woods of Ephraim were actually timbered. And so now you've got to take this picture out of your mind and think, what does this woods really look like at that time before it was timbered? There were swamps, there were briars, there were thickets, there were caves, there were ravines. It was a very, very dense forest. Very thick. So that's why I put this picture on there for you because that's what it looks like today. And for the reason, because it was timbered some, what, 15, uh, how many years ago? What, 700, 800 years ago, whatever that it would be. And so then we get into uh, verse 7. The people of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David and the slaughter that there was great. And so this is question. There was no question that God is on uh, David's side and the people's side. And God's will is prevailing. Remember, Absalom was never supposed to be king. God didn't put him there. But here's the question. How many people died? 20,000 people died that day just from Absalom's army. So here's the thing. Let's just say there were 6,000 people in, on David's side. They killed 20,000 people. Well, that's not exactly true. Let's move on to the next verse. For the battle there was spread over the whole countryside. The forest devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. I love that verse. God stepped in. As all these people are running away and they're battling each other, the forest is so dense that people got lost in this forest. But as they were running, trying to get away, the forest hindered them from being able to get away. But here's, here's what truth is. The Bible says the forest devoured. Now, how in the world can a forest devour people? The ravines, the swamps, the caverns, it swallowed people up. As they were running away, God killed these people for rebellion, ultimately against him for following after Absalom. How many people lost their lives 
as a result of the hand of God, the Bible says more than David's men killed. You know why? Because the David's number was so much fewer than Absalom, God intervened. The forest killed more of them. I love that verse. Verse 9, Now Absalom encountered the servants of David. And so all of a sudden, Absalom is riding away. And remember, was he even supposed to be there? Ahithophel's advice was Absalom, don't go. We'll send 12,000 people in. We'll conquer them immediately and we'll take care of them. But he didn't follow Ahithophel's advice. Absalom wanted to be prideful. He wanted to be in the battle. He wanted to be the man and take all this glory home. Verse, the last part of verse 9, Absalom was riding on his mule. The mule went under the branches of a massive oak. His head caught firmly in the oak. He was left hanging between the sky and the earth while the mule that was under him kept going. How many of you have ever heard this story taught in a Bible lesson, a children's church, a Sunday school, or a sermon? Probably everybody in here. How many times you ever heard this? Absalom was riding that mule and his hair got caught in that oak tree. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says his head was caught in the oak tree. Now, why do people say hair? Because if you remember, the Bible tells us that when he would cut his hair every year, he cut five pounds of hair off every year. Five pounds. And so what happens is, as he was riding that mule, trying to get away from David's men, people can see this flowing hair, and the oak tree caught it, and it caught it. But you know what? It is very possible that Absalom hit in between the fork of an oak tree, and his head is hanging there in this oak tree. So be careful what people say or what you read or what you think it says. Read what it says. But no matter what, he's left hanging there. He's left hanging where he has no control over his body any longer. And remember, he is such a prideful person. He Remember, there was no blemish in his skin whatsoever. He thought a lot of himself. And so he's hanging there and he cannot release himself verse 10 when a certain man saw him i wish i knew this man's name he informed joab and said behold i saw absalom hanging in the oak who is this man's name this man is chosen by god because this man has character this man has more character in his little finger than joab has in his whole body remember the two women nameless Here's another man that is full of character. We don't know who he is. And he says, I saw Absalom. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Joab doesn't believe. Have you ever talked to anybody that's told you this really crazy story? And you're like, wow, I wish I'd have been there to see that. That's really neat. And then when they finish the story and you go, you saw this? Well, no, no, I didn't see it. I mean, I talked to the person who did. Well, I think they saw it. I think they talked to somebody who saw it, you know. And so Joab immediately doesn't believe him. He, he's like, you didn't see Absalom. You talked to somebody who thought they saw Absalom, but you didn't see Absalom. Because look at his answer. He said, and verse 11, then Joab said to the man who informed him, so behold, you saw him? By the way, the word behold there is an explanation point. What? Wait a minute. You saw him? 
because this right here is a game changer for Joab. This is a um, war ending uh, sight that this man saw. But then Joab says this, well then why didn't you kill him? You saw him and the guy's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him hanging in a tree. You got to fill in what the conversation was. I saw him hanging in the tree. He's hanging by his neck or by his hair or whatever. He's hanging there. And Joab said, I don't understand. This don't make no sense. Well, why don't it make sense, Joab? Why didn't you kill him? And he says, and if you would have killed him, you would have gotten a reward. You would have found the golden egg, young man. And what does he say? You would have been given 10 pieces of silver and a belt. The silver would have been, by the way, the, the 10 pieces of silver would have been very valuable. But the belt would have been more valuable. Now, what is he talking about by when he says belt? I don't know. Many of you that were in the Army, Marines, Navy, whatever, the stripes on the arm from corporal to captain to whatever, right? Every stripe on the arm means something. The more stripes, the more power. The stars, the generals. The belt during this time meant position. You would have went from corporal to whatever. You would have went up in rank. You would have gotten 10 pieces of silver and you would have advanced a whole nother rank if you would have just killed him. Look at this man's character. But the man said to Joab, even if I were to receive a thousand pieces of silver in my hand, I would not put out my hand against the king's son. For in hearing the king's commanded you, Abishai Etai saying, protect the young man Absalom for me. Now, here's, here's something pretty amazing. He says, Joab, if I would have received a thousand pieces of silver, now this would have been an astronomical amount. How many of you have ever used this illustration? I don't care if they'd have paid me a million dollars. I still wouldn't have went into that haunted house. I don't care if it was 10 million. You're not getting me up on that, that, that ride. I'm not doing it. That's, this is what the man's saying. I don't care, Joab, if you'd have paid me 10,000. He could have said a million. He said, I'm not putting my hand out against the king's son. I'm not doing it. And by the way, Joab, we all heard him. And he told you, he told Abishai, and he told Ittai to take care of his son. Now, this is character, is it not? He, brought, he tried to bribe him. If you do this and this and this, then you could have got this. This man said, the king commanded. So you know what this makes me think? Not everybody was upset with the news that David gave about protecting Absalom. I think it showed their devotion to David. Whatever his word was, then that's what we're going to do. If I don't agree with it or agree with it, that's what we're going to do. Verse 13. Otherwise, if I had dealt treacherously against his life and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would have avoided me there in uh, the parentheses, and there is nothing hidden from me, is not in the oldest manuscript, but it's true, right? If there's nothing hidden from the king, meaning the king would have found out who it was. I mean, we've already drawn a crowd here. Somebody would have seen me kill him. Somebody would have seen it. 
But not only this, my own conscience would not allow me to do this, Absalom. But then he said something very interesting. If I would have killed him, Absalom, you would have avoided me. What, is he, what does he mean? You know, you get a whole gang of guys and they're going to go do something illegal. And the guy holding the bag and the cops roll up, does everybody stand there waiting to get the handcuffs put on them? What does everybody do? Run. You know what he's saying? Joab, if I'd have killed him and David would have found out and questioned me, Joab would have been like, I don't, David, I don't know anything about it. I told him don't do that. And he said, you would have avoided me. You would have separated yourself from me. And David would have killed me. That's what he said. Now go to verse 14. And then Joab says, I will not waste time here with you. He took the three spears in his hand, thrust them through the heart of Absalom. And while he was still alive in the midst of the oak, he says, I'm not going to waste time in here with you. I'm not going to deal with you. What was he really angry at? He was angry at the man's integrity and how Joab didn't have the integrity that this man had. That's what was frustrating. He's, so he, took, he takes these three spears. And by the way, the intent is very clear here. It's not to wound him, it's to kill him. That's why it says specifically, he jabbed them in his heart. Why? You know what I believe? I believe Ab, uh, Joab had had all he wanted of Absalom and he was done with him. But not only this, I think Joab was kind of done with David in the way that he handled discipline of his kids. And he was going to go ahead and take care of business for David. That's my personal belief. He said, David, if you're not going to handle him, I'll take care of it. So he was still alive. You know what? I think this is an opportunity where God had given Joab an opportunity to preserve him. I don't know. But God lets him live even after these spears are stabbed in the heart. Verse 15, 10 young men who carried Joab's armor gathered around and struck Absalom and killed him. Now all of a sudden, Joab grabs these three spears and he sticks them in his heart. And here's all his armor bearers. There's 10 of them. That's how much armor that he had. And they're gathered around and they're looking at one another. And they gather around Absalom and they grab their spears and they begin to thrust their spears into Absalom's stomach. Why? Why? Well, you know what? It could have been this. Joab said, and you do the same. And I don't think Joab worried about if, you're, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. I don't think he cared. But I don't really think it was that he commanded them. I think it's exactly they were following the leader, their leader. I, I thought about this. This is what happens in the home. This is what happens with parenting. This is what happens with marriage. This is what happens with discipline. The only thing your kids know about marriage is what they saw you. And therefore, they reciprocate that in their marriage relationship. And I may have shared this with you, I think, but one of the, one of the counseling shows I was listening to, the, the young girl called and said that she had, her parents had never had a fight. 
33 years of marriage, they never had a fight. Both of those counselors said, oh, honey. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. They have done you a misjustice. This justice, they have, they have led you astray. They said, no, really, they've never had one fight. And then she went on to say, my husband and I have been married for about two months and we just had our first fight. I know we're not going to make it because my parents never fought. They said, oh, honey, <laughs> they have not been fair to you. She really believed this. But you see parenting, if how you were parented, you know what? That's how you're going to parent your kids. Well, my dad always did this. My mom always did this. How your home is run, your kids are going to act like that. How you discipline your kids, they're going to reciprocate that. Look, what I'm saying is this. All of Joab's people that was under him, they were just following the leader. Joab do it, did it, so we're going to do it too. Verse 16, then Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel and Joab restrained the people. You know, this had to be a satisfying thing when he grabbed that trumpet and he blew it to turn away Israel. But then the Bible says that Joab had to restrain the people. Why? Think about it. Is Israel the enemy of David and his men? No. They're getting ready to go live back together in hopefully harmony. But, Israel, but Joab said, we do not want to keep this killing spree on when the man that we're really after is now dead. Verse 17, they took Absalom's body. They threw it into a deep pit in the forest, erected over him a large pile of stones, and all of Israel fled into each of his own tent. So now all these caves that are, are all over the forest, this dense forest, and they threw him in there. Why? I think this, this is my personal opinion, because it would have been nearly impossible for him to be found. And then they took stones and they piled over top of him to make it even harder for him to be found. You know what I think? I think Joab thinks David would have went searching for his son to bring him up out of that pit, to bury him and mourn and have all of Israel mourning. Joab didn't want any part of that nonsense. But here's how it ends in verse 18 that we're going to talk about, that we're, yeah, we're going to deal with. We're going to talk about David's grief uh, the next time we meet next Wednesday. Now, Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for him a memorial stone in the King's Valley. He says, I have no son to continue my name. So he named the memorial stone after his own name. And it was Absalom's monument to this day. This is a weird passage of scripture right here. Weird verse. But what it does, it shows Absalom's arrogance. He went on and erected his own memorial before he died, so he could be honored. That's what he thought. But this is what he says. I have no son to carry on my name, which is not true. He had three sons, and we've discussed them in the past. But you know what? By this time, Absalom had lost every one of his sons. I think it brings some humanity to Absalom. Some of you have already have lost one child, can you imagine losing three? And I, and I thought this, was this God's way? In the, and by the way, and it was all during this time of his rebellion and just a little bit before that, I thought this, was this God's way of trying to stop Absalom from doing what he's doing and getting his attention? We have no idea how these three sons died. We know they existed. We know their names. We do not know how they died. This is the end result 
of a man who this is the life that he lived in rebellion against God and this is how he was taken out. And God allowed all of this. Now, let me tell you, Joab is going to pay a price for rebelling against the king, even though he did it out of honestly, possibly trying to help David because he didn't feel David was strong enough to parent his own kids the way he was supposed to. We're going to look at David's grief next Wednesday.